Well, hello again. I'm Tony Payne, and welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. Great to have you here with me again as we think about how the Word of Christ keeps challenging us and shaping the way we think and the way we live as His people. And the Word of Christ is kind of our topic for this week. We're going to be getting back to the Two Ways to Live book next week, God willing, to the final installment. But this week, I wanted to reflect on something that came up at a church camp or conference that I was speaking at this last weekend. It was on the familiar topic, well, the familiar topic for me at least, of why the one another speech or words of the Christian community are so vital to our spiritual health as individuals and as Christian communities, as churches. And over the course of the weekend, on one particular session, I was warming to my theme and explaining that as we share and speak the word of God to each other in a whole range of different ways, encouraging and exhorting and teaching and so on, that we let the word of Christ dwell richly among us, as Paul says in Colossians 3, and that's to our immense benefit. And then, in a delightful instance of one another speech and interaction, somebody asked a really insightful question. They asked this, how does speaking the truth in love, to use that phrase from Ephesians, how does speaking the truth in love relate to all the other ways we can love and serve one another? Is speaking the only or even the prime or most important way that we love each other? Can we love one another without speaking the truth to each other? How do those two relate together? Well, as I started to waffle out an answer, I realised that I'd in fact been dealing with this question in various forms for years and years. It comes in different forms. It's the question, is word ministry the only ministry or the best ministry? What about the place of compassion and good deeds? Is trellis work, to use that jargon, is trellis work less valuable or less important than vine work? Surely some of us are good at speaking and ministry type stuff and some of us are good at just getting in and loving other people practically. Why don't we just let people play to their strengths? Those questions really are all forms of this question. That is, how does Christian love and Christian speech or Christian words fit together? Well, perhaps the most obvious answer to the question is the one that I started to give when I was addressing it this last weekend. I started to speak about the fact that the joyful obligation to love one another is surely a bigger and broader thing than just speaking biblical words to each other. Because love is expressed in all kinds of ways, in a multitude of, of kind and beneficial actions for the sake of other people. And there are many one another commands in the New Testament that flesh this out. We're to serve one another and forgive one another and accept one another and bear with one another and, in general, do good to one another in love. Love is certainly bigger and broader as a category of action than just speech. In fact, it's very possible to be so focused on words and speech that you fail to love others. In 1 John 3, there's this sobering passage, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 
Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now, there's a very important lesson here. Words are sometimes easier than action. Certainly easier to tweet out hashtag I stand with Ukraine than actually do anything about the situation in Ukraine. Are kind words that don't lead to loving action really love at all? Well, no, says John. So perhaps speaking the truth, or the word ministry of Christians, perhaps this is a subset of all the other kinds of loving things that we can do. There are lots of ways to love one another, and sharing a biblical word with someone is one of them. To be sure, it's an important one, and one we should all strive to put into practice, because the Bible urges us to. But it's no more or less important than all the other ways that we can love each other. Is that the way to think about it? Well, the more I think about it, the more I don't think so. And in the process of my rambling answer to this question on the weekend camp that I was just on, I started to remember and express why this was the case. Christian love is love in the truth. Let us not love just in words and talk, says John, but in action, in deed, and in truth. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. And it is this truth that we're to speak to one another in love, as Paul says again in Ephesians 4.15. Love is a kind of knowledge. Love is not a sentiment or a feeling, although it is often felt. Love is not just action, although it is often expressed in action. Love is a certain kind of knowledge of what is true and good, a knowledge that longs for and seeks that truth and goodness, not only for ourselves, but for others. And if this is sounding vaguely familiar to some of you, I wrote about this a few months ago in an article on The Painful Truth about the nature of love, and you can catch up with that on the website at thepainfultruth.online. But if love is based on knowledge, in fact, if love is a form of knowledge, where does that knowledge come from? That knowledge that is the basis and engine of all genuine love. Well, some of it comes to us quite easily in everyday life. I know, for example, that you need food and warmth to survive. It's a knowledge that is acquired fairly quickly and instinctively by all of us. And it means that if I wish you well, but don't give you those good things when I know that you need them, I've failed to love you. I've failed to love you in the truth. It may be a warm sentiment that I express with kind words, but it's not love because it ignores the truth of the situation, the truth of your need. Now, this may be an everyday common knowledge that we acquire quite easily, but it's still a God-given knowledge when you think about it. We know this about each other, not only because God created us to have these needs as humans, but because he gave us the capacity to know these truths, to perceive and understand this about his world and each other. All love comes from God because all truth and goodness ultimately come from him. However, the ultimate truth that reveals the whole nature of the world and ourselves and where we're going, is found in only one place. In Jesus Christ. In God's final 
and complete revelation of himself and his purposes through his Son. All Christian love and service, therefore, in all its forms and in all its expressions, is based on the truth that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. In him, we don't think about anything anymore like we did when we were still in the flesh, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. We have new eyes with which to see reality. Faith in him and his gospel is the foundation of love. Faith rolls up its sleeves and gets to work in love, says Paul in Galatians 5.6, because by faith we're set free to know the truth about the person God has given us to love. This means that speaking the truth to one another in love is not just one variety of love amongst all the others. It's really the activity that defines and generates Christian love. We know what it means to love by hearing and knowing the truth of Christ. Every practical action of love or service that we undertake, whether in church or at home or anywhere, is founded in the God-given truth about ourselves and the world that is revealed in Jesus Christ. The gospel word drives and shapes it all. Now, in the course of my studies some years ago, in the whole subject of one another speech and how it works in the Christian community, I read quite a bit of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And one of the highlights of that exercise was this passage in his book, Life Together, where he draws a contrast between emotional or self-centered love and the true spiritual love of the Christian community. And this is what he says. Spiritual love comes from Jesus Christ. It serves him alone. It knows that it has no unmediated access to other people. Christ stands between me and others. I do not know in advance what love for others means on the basis of a general idea of love growing out of my own emotional longing, all of which in the sight of Christ may instead be hatred and the worst kind of selfishness. What love is, only Christ in his word can tell me. Contrary to all my own opinions and convictions, Jesus Christ will tell me what love for the brother truly looks like. Therefore, spiritual love is bound to the word of Jesus Christ alone. The word of Christ, in other words, tells us what God is doing in our world through his gospel. It reveals the truth to us as we wait for the hope of glory and his return. The word of Christ reveals the future of all of us. And it commissions us to make disciples of all nations in the truth of Christ, while we can. It urges us to persevere in that gospel truth and to communicate it to others. And this is why speaking the truth to one another is not so much one kind of love, but the foundation and wellspring of all Christian love. By speaking the truth of Christ to each other in multiple different ways and contexts, according to our opportunities and circumstances and gifts, we do the ultimate good for each other. We grow each other in the knowledge and love of God, and that knowledge teaches us how to love others. Perhaps this is why the great hymn to love in 1 Corinthians 13 proceeds directly to an exhortation for us to pursue gospel, prophetic-style speech with one another in 1 Corinthians 14. Knowledge on its own can puff up, and that's the problem with the Corinthians. They're arrogant. But love builds up 
Because on the basis of true knowledge, it seeks the true good of those around us. Every form of love and service and practical help in our churches is determined and framed by this truth, the truth of the gospel. And so, do we want to grow in genuine, practical Christian love? Then let us keep teaching and encouraging and spurring one another on towards that kind of love, to love and good deeds, by constantly sharing and speaking with each other the word of Christ. Well, I didn't give quite as systematic and clearly expressed an answer to the question that I received on the weekend church camp as I've just tried to outline here, but it was great to think about it again and to be stimulated to write on this subject, on the relationship between our love for others and our speech for the sake of others. As it turns out, during the course of writing this little piece, I came across an excellent two-part talk or a set of two addresses on this very subject by Pete Orr from Moore College. It was at the recent Priscilla and Aquila conference at Moore College. It was on the one another commands of the New Testament, and in particular on how loving one another and speaking to one another fit into that set of one another commands. Really excellent presentation. You'll learn lots from it and be encouraged. You can find those talks by going to the Priscilla and Aquila website at Moore College. They're also available on YouTube if you Search for Priscilla and Aquila Conference 2022, Pete Orr, that's O-R-R, and I'll also include the links to those talks over on the text version of this post on the website. You can chase it up there. Uh, one other thing to mention, thank you once again for all of you who've been chipping in with feedback on the Two Ways to Live book. I'm hard at work on the next and I think final instalment, and so stay tuned for that. God willing, I'll be sending that out next week. I was amused, I have to say, at how many comments I received in response to chapter 4, part 2, about the phrase hotsy-totsy, which I had used in that chapter. Uh, some people from England got in touch to ask whether this was a strange piece of colonial slang. Um, so did some people from America. And some Aussies wrote to me to say that they'd never heard this expression in their lives. I picked it up, this phrase, and threw it in, I have to say, without really thinking about it. I think because I've been listening to a lot of P.G. Woodhouse lately on Audible. Uh, if you like P.G. Woodhouse and that sort of thing, Stephen Fry has done a recording of the Jeeves collection on Audible, and it is really brilliant, side-splittingly brilliant, if you like that kind of comic writing. And Hotsy Totsy, as a description of everything being absolutely wonderful, is just one of the many colourful phrases that Woodhouse uses uh, to such excellent comic effect. But, judging by your reactions, perhaps it belongs to that earlier era and should stay there. I don't need to find another way of expressing that. Thanks again for all your comments on the Two Ways to Live book drafts as they've come out. I'm nearly there, I'm on the home stretch and I'm excited by that. I'm also on the home stretch of this episode of The Painful Truth, I think we've done for this week. Thanks again for being here, and as always, get in touch either by going across to the website and leaving a comment, or by sending me an email at tonyjpayne at me.com. I am Tony Payne, as it turns out. Thanks for being here. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.